previously on Speaking for the Trees. So an invasive species is an organism that travels or is put in an area that it's not originally from and harms that area, either by altering its habitat or overtaxing its resources and human access to those resources. They can also cause extinctions of local plants, animals, etc., and therefore reduce biodiversity. And if you want some examples, why don't you stay tuned? So I'm kicking us off with a fairly well-known invasive species here in the U.S., uh, the Asian carp. So silver carp are the ones that you probably know Asian carp by um, because they're the ones that are known for their jumping ability. And uh, they can jump 8 to 10 feet into the air out of the water, and they're easily frightened by boats. Eight-foot vertical leap. They're really heavy and big. and they They're have just projectiles. <laughs> They have been known to injure boaters, particularly because they're they're afraid of boat motors and stuff, and so then they jump out of the water, and people have been clocked by them. And it's direct action. I didn't think I'd be as upset by your section as I am. All right, and on with the rest. Let me drink some water. Oh my god, water. we've been recording for so long already. We've been talking about carp. All right, uh, next up in the docket is two shallower dives. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the stink bug. So if you live on the east coast of the of North America, you probably already are groaning because you remember this. So there's an invasive species called the stink bug. It is officially named the brown marmorated stink bug, Haliomorpha halis. It is a dime-sized, shield-shaped, grayish-brown insect with brown modeling, so like brown spots. It's got tiny red eyes, uh, and it would—it looks like it would totally make a crunchy noise if you stepped on it. It looks really crunchy, <laughs> but don't do that Great. because when you crush it, it releases a very potent, musky garbage smell. Hence the name Lovely. stink bug. It is originally native to China, Japan, Korea, and Taiwan. I feel like a lot of our invasive species are from that area. They're just Wait, really powerful. A, really powerful animals from there. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if this is something that you looked into at all, but is it true that stink bugs are, like, their smell, some of it is, like, used a little bit in perfumes? I do not know. That, that might be. I might be thinking of something else that smells. You bad, are thinking but also of ambergris, and that is a whale product. Okay, that's probably. What the, I'm, I, I'm, the only reason I know that is from Futurama. <laughs> lovely. So uh, they're native to Eastern Asia, basically, and they are invasive in the United States, several countries in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. So they're fully established in the United States, Canada, France, and Switzerland. Uh, and we're not sure how they got here. We think it's probably a shipping container. And that's honestly kind of a theme with invasive species. We're like, yeah, we're not sure how it got here, but it was probably from shipping. Yeah. <laughs> that was my bug. Yep. From last time we talked about invasive species. Yeah. So we first identified 
stink bugs in the United States in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yes, the one from the Billy Joel song in 1996. Uh, but they were originally misidentified as our own native brown stink bug. We actually have our own stink bug here. Wasn't correctly identified until 2001 when a scientist named Karen Bernard speculated they were a different species and uh, sent a sample to a lab. And I forget what that lab was because I didn't write it down. <laughs> and then they identified it. Uh, and we were like, oh shit, this is invasive. By 1999, they had spread to New Jersey. By 2005, they had spread to the mid-Atlantic states as well as somehow Oregon and California. Not sure how that works. And by the way, if you don't live in the United States, we call the mid-Atlantic states, like, it's like the middle part of our East Coast. So that would be Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and West Virginia. And some people consider Pennsylvania a mid-Atlantic as well. In 2010, the East Coast population of stink bugs exploded. And this is where I am saying, if you are from the East Coast, you remember this, unless you were like a child at the time. Their numbers breached outbreak levels. They were uh, devouring tree fruit. They ate the East Coast fruit, vegetable, and field crops, bringing their quality down to unsellable. And they were a huge goddamn nuisance, let me tell you. Uh, They particularly liked grapes, soybeans, tomatoes, sweet corn, peaches, apples, basically anything with a tasty fruit that they can eat. So kind of like people Mm. a little bit. (laughs) Uh, And anyone on the East Coast is going to remember this. In 2010... I was in the 10th grade, easy little memory device, because I started kindergarten in 1999. I remember distinctly every day coming home, and my mom would be, like, running around the house with, like, a little water bottle full of soap and water, and she would tap right below the stink bug, and it would fall into the water, and she'd be like, ha-ha, my method, it works. And... (laughs) But like there were there was like a day where she caught like 30 of them. It was obnoxious. They were everywhere. And they make this really they make this buzzing sound when they fly around. They sound like tiny helicopters and they're it's you know, they can't hurt you and that like nothing's going to happen if they land on you. But like because they sound so alarming, you're like, oh, God, it's going to fuck. And you like want to punch it out of the air. They're the worst. I hate them. (laughs) And you'd like always there. There were always at least three in every room. And it was awful. Yeah, it sucked. I read a study. Well, I read the abstract of a study, let's be honest. I read the abstract of a study that told me uh, a fun number, which was how many stink bugs were found in one Maryland house in 181 days. Lauren, do you want to guess what number that was? Over the course of 181 days? Yeah, guess how many they found. Uh, 5,000. Nope, 26,205. <laughs> just one house just one oh christ (laughs) it was really really awful they were everywhere they were such a news and they didn't do anything like they just would sit there and they'd fly around but they wouldn't like they don't eat your food unless you leave it out uh they wouldn't like bite you they wouldn't bite your pets they didn't do any structural damage they just were everywhere so scientists uh for this study actually found that the bugs would come inside more when the temperature was hot. So like basically these bugs were like, fuck it. I don't want to sweat. I'm going in the air conditioning. And honestly, that's a mood. (laughs) Um, They also would overwinter in people's houses. So basically overwintering is just a thing that animals and bugs and whatever do to, um, they just kind of hibernate or just chill in a specific area. So like some will overwinter in specific kinds of trees Um, But these bugs would just 
as adults, fully grown adults, would just overwinter in people's houses. And this isn't, again, they're just kind of a nuisance, but they do, they can carry allergens, which, you know, as someone who is currently (laughs) struggling with allergies, let me tell you, if you're trying to, (laughs) if you're trying to control the allergens in your home and you have 26,000 beetles bringing pollen in, you get to get kind of annoyed. (laughs) So, um, as of 2014, the United States, uh, they are found in 41 states and the district of columbia so that's a lot percent that's uh 82 yeah. percent <laughs> we did the math this time so why so many freaking bugs it's it's mostly because of their reproductive rate so where they're from it's a little cooler climate uh they'll do like one to two generations per um like mating season for them but on the okay. east coast and uh we we have a really warm climate so they will produce five generations oh christ so instead of having like a mom a son and a grand a grandson you'll have like great grandma (laughs) down to great grandchild (laughs) in the course of a year so that they just spread like crazy they also have, so you know how when we talk about native species, we're like, oh yeah, you want to plant host plants for these species because they'll only host on some specific plant, like the milk thistle or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The fun thing about stink bugs is they have over a hundred host plants. They just don't give a shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> they don't care where they lay their eggs. They'll just kind of lay them wherever. <laughs> um, Great. Also, I wrote a note here that says, I am so itchy writing this right now. And I'm also itchy right now reading this to you. <laughs> I'm getting itchy again. It'll get better once you're on your antihistamines again. That's true. <laughs> I miss my antihistamines. I've never missed something more. So you know how I mentioned that they're loud and like kind of scary when they fly around just because of how loud they are? They also mm. can fly really, really fast. They can fly two kilometers in 24 hours, and their flying speed is like three meters per second. That's fast. Yeah, they fucking like wump into the side of your face, and you're like, ah! <laughs> And also, they fly at night. They'll just fly all the time. They never stop. They just have so much energy. There is a hypothesis (laughs) that the agriculture-urban interface may help populations increase their numbers. And that basically just means if you have a city right next to a field, right? Um, So basically, the urban settings with all the uh, human-made structures will provide overwintering habitat, so places for them to take shelter during the cold. And then... That increases their ability to survive the winter. And then when they come out during the spring, they'll just like go outside to where all the agriculture is and uh, eat all the resources. So like, oh, so they have like us, like <laughs> they go out to their summer homes. Yeah. In their cottages. <laughs> they go out to the country and they eat a lot of peaches. Uh, <laughs> it's a song. To round out my section, I'm just going to tell you about how, uh, the ways the EPA recommends you deal with stink bugs in your house. And I just quoted it. Caulk windows Lovely. inside and out. Weather strip cock. entry door. Is it caulk? Cock? Cock. I, I, cock. Uh, yeah, just cock. Just yeah, cock. cock. <laughs> There's an L in there. <laughs> and a U. I hate English. Anyway, cock your windows inside. That sounds like I'm from Boston. <laughs> I hate it. Cock your windows on, inside and out. Let me make sure that this isn't just how <laughs> us Midwesterners I'm pretty say sure this. it's cock. Or cock. Are we just saying the same thing? I don't know. Anyway, I'm just going to say. Wait, no. No, no, no. I want to hear it. Cock. 
Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> you play it out loud for your own ears. And you can see that I am not just messing around with you. <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, well, first of all, why is it spelled like that? Because <laughs> that's like the, you know how they have like the different letters for the pronunciation. <laughs> okay, cock. Okay. Yeah. It's cock. I don't like it. <laughs> Cock windows inside and out. (laughs) Weather strip entry doors and or install door sweeps if daylight is visible around the perimeter of the door. Rake away all debris and edible vegetation from your home's foundation to keep from attracting pests. Inspect and seal foundation cracks to block a potential point of entry. Secure crawl space entries. When insulating exposed plumbing pipes around the foundation or crawl space of your home, cock small caps and fill larger ones with steel wool if your home has a fireplace cap or screen the top of the chimney to keep out pests unquote so they are still here and they're annoying um though pest management practices have caught up somewhat and they are less ubiquitous than they were in 2010 but they are still here (laughs) and we don't really care that much because they don't really hurt much okay well i mean i guess that's like a half good ending (laughs) Both of mine are like that. It's just kind of like, it's here now. So that's the end of of my stink bug section. I want to tell you about the octopus stink horn. (laughs) And I wrote here, mom says it's my turn with the gross species. Because last time Lauren told us about lamprey. Uh, So it was my turn. (laughs) Now it's my turn with the gross species. So Clathrus archeri is known in the United States as the octopus stinkhorn, and in Britain, it's known as the devil's fingers. Wow. I really like... (laughs) I love that stink is, like, the theme of your session. I know! I thought about that, too. I was like, everything I did this week is stinky, and I'm here for it. It's just the (laughs) IBS-themed podcast I've always wanted. (laughs) This is a fungus by and for H.P. Lovecraft. There are two stages to this fungus. It has an egg form and an emerging arms form. I don't like (laughs) the name for either of those. The egg form is a beige sphere, two to three centimeters in diameter. So like a couple inches. Uh, You know, eggs. You know, egg. (laughs) Before the arms emerge, the surface becomes furrowed where the arms will be. And it looks kind of like a rotting pumpkin a little bit. Uh, And then the emerging arms form is when, quote, a large starfish-like fruit body whose four to six exceptionally eight arched red arms are coated with a smelly glaba on the upper surface. The mature fruit body is typically 20 centimeters across with arms arching to 10 centimeters in height, unquote. From firstnature.com. I could not include that. It was so gross. Uh, if you scroll down to my section, Lauren, you will see a picture of what the uh, merging arms looks like. Ew. Yeah. Wait. Uh-huh. What's on those? So that black stuff is the glaba. Uh, they are black, pussy, almost like clotted blood or bloody mucus, uh, just kind of uh. on the inside of the arms. And they will expand outward to be like, spread out making those glaba accessible to these insects or flies carrion flies so they will spread their spores around 
And yes, I sort of just. It, thought it looks like I'd... it would smell like putrid rotting flesh, and in fact, does smell like putrid rotting flesh. What were you gonna say when you said when you were describing the glabo before? I sort of just thought that it was gonna be like a, I don't know, like a little dust coating on like a snail or something. Nope. This is awful. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Visible. It looks like period blood. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Of course, this uh, species is from Australia and New Zealand. It was introduced to Europe via World War I during a military supply shipment in 1914, and they first appeared in France. It is now commonly found in the UK, spread by the UK's love of mulch because it loves decaying wood chips. Uh, it is found all over Europe and has been oh. moving north, especially <laughs> and even arriving in Norway. For a second, I thought you were talking about uk loving decaying wood chips no <laughs> they love mulch the and the and the and the fungus loves um decaying wood chips and also it's not a plant get it right whatever uh, fungi so it is technically invasive but it's not a listed species of concern and in fact basically no <laughs> government is doing anything about it other than occasionally throwing money at research and the researchers are like i mean it's here it's here and it's gross. It's here and it's gross. A lot of people actually plant it on purpose because it looks really weird and very bright. It's bright red. Yeah. It's definitely like it really makes a statement. Yeah, it's not a, statement a good one, piece. but <laughs> it's true. Uh it so it is also introduced to North America, specifically California, with some exotic plants in 1984. Uh, it also appears like in Poland and other places to be spread by rain and snow, so precipitation. And the uh, climate warming is also increasing its distribution. And of course, I have the answer to the question that I'm sure you're wondering, is this fungus edible? The answer is technically yes, but why would you? <laughs> Great. And that is my that's second way to That's a really good way to, to end it. <laughs> Can you eat it? No, but also Let's. yes. <laughs> Technically no. Let's. I mean, I kept talking about how mine was edible, like all the carp. <laughs> but those are fish, so it's not like super weird to be like, yeah, you can eat it. Well, no, it's a mushroom. Like, it is a type of mushroom. It's just a yeah. really ugly, smelly type of mushroom. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for listening to our podcast about invasive species. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. I laughed a lot this time. <laughs> uh outro time we have a logo it's by tyler hurst you can find him at tyler hurst on various platforms tyler sorry tyler c hurst and he doesn't post often (laughs) but you're welcome to follow him and he'll probably appreciate it um our socials are at trees speaking so t-r-e-e-s-s-p-e-a-k-i-n-g uh that's on twitter and that's on twitter and And Instagram. instagram We got a website, speakingforthetrees.com. Uh, there's some transcripts on there. We will eventually put more on there. We do it occasionally. It's very tiring and hard to do. Well, it's not hard. It's just I hate doing it, and so does Lauren. Um, yes. <laughs> but, 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 but we think it's an important thing to do. So. Yes, we will put, there are some, I think there's like four up on there now. Uh, they will get put up eventually. Uh, we're just behind we're behind and we're also like we were thinking about paying and then we saw how much it is per episode to do that we were like we don't make money from this we're not gonna pay anyone to do that oh and i was in the middle of the other plugs uh yes and our (laughs) email is for the trees dot pod at gmail.com if you ever want to tell us like hey talk about this thing or 
hey we like you you're welcome to tell if you have like criticism that we don't like us you can keep that to yourself i don't want to hear it (laughs) no feel free to share that too if we get something wrong oh yeah no 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 if it's like hey you got this fact wrong that's fine if you're like your voice sounds bad i'll just block you i don't like when women talk about science anyway uh the music is by kevin mcleod who makes all music on youtube and everywhere and you have certainly heard his work before Mm -hmm. anyway hey that's it thanks for listening love you bye see ya oh yeah do you want to do the uh the other one so this has been speaking for the trees thanks for hanging out with me ellie and our best friend earth 